on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. The biggest thing I learned is to always act in the best interest of the company, even when it comes to yourself too. You can screw over your business for your own benefit and then your business is dead. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, guys, welcome to Gathering the Kings. Chaz Wolf here, your host. I have a guest today who is just going to rock your socks. The story of literally coming over to America as an infant with a family who had absolutely nothing, starting in business all the way to running multiple million dollar businesses. So that's multiple million dollar businesses in multiple industries. This story today from Igor, the moments here that you're gonna get are incredible, not only from his history, but how he makes decisions. And so I want you to buckle in, get that notepad and pen because here we go. All right, Igor, welcome to the stage, my friend. Let's jump in and get right into business. How you doing today? Good, how are you, Chaz? I'm good, man. It's Friday morning. I know we were just chatting off air a little bit about uh, us both being gone and jumping back in. I'm sure every entrepreneur can relate to a being gone, whether it's for family vacay or for me, it was a business trip, but still coming back and the swirl of everything. Is that what you're trying to reorganize the swirl? Yeah, absolutely. There's weeks where you spend 60, 70 hours working and then weeks where you can take off some time and enjoy yourself. Yeah. So I did that, but coming back is always a hassle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think too, I think that there's some value there of, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get into some of that with you here, because as I told you, probably the likeliness of someone listening here today is a six figure business owner and they're trying to get to that seven figure mark. And so we know that you're a seven uh, plus figure business owner. That's why you're here on the King stage today. But some of that reason of like how you can take time away is why you're, why you're a seven figure business owner. So I want to dive into some of that before we do though, Tell me what business you're in. What's the industry? Tell me how many employees you got, stuff like that. Sure. I own and operate a commercial general contracting firm. We specialize in renovating multifamily and office tenant improvements. I also own a fourplex, duplex, and a single family home. So I act as landlord, co-developing a 200 acre tract of land for uh, single family homes. Wow. Multifamily and commercial. So yeah, pretty busy. And then also in the process of launching an investment fund soon. So stay tuned to that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I, I, all of this. A lot of that is in the same vein of real estate development, construction, like they're not the same thing, but they're so closely knit together. And so you're mm -hmm. going to be able to drop a lot of knowledge on us today about how you're doing that. But selfishly, I want to hear more about the land development. I personally am under contract for 150 acres and looking to develop great. it in a couple of unique ways. And so you and I are going to have to get together and talk about what you're doing and uh, how I Absolutely. can glean from your knowledge. Good, man. So the question is, at, at this level, you got a ton of stuff going on. You're doing millions in revenue. What drives you at this point? Like, you, in essence, you've made it, right? Like the top 9% of businesses do 1 million or more. 
So 91% of all businesses do less than a million and you're in the top 9%. And so what drives you now compared to maybe before? Sure. Um, constantly thinking about the future. Uh, I think every successful entrepreneur is in the business of delaying gratification sure. now for the future and just trying to take advantage of being young, ambitious, and capable at this stage of my life and knowing that what the decisions I make right now can impact my future, my family's future, my lineage, and bless others in the, as well as myself. Yeah. I love that. It, it's such a, a, like what you just described is so how I think on a daily basis. It's like, bro, we're young. I got ample energy. I'm ready to rock mm -hmm. and roll, fill the calendar. Let's go. But it's really all unto the, the legacy piece. It's I want to think bigger than myself. And so has it always been like that for you? Or, or is that now that you've gotten to this level where you've got maybe more resource, you can think at a bigger level? Or is that always like that? Yeah, starting off, it wasn't like that. I'm starting off, you're, I, I was flat broke, <laughs> had nothing in the bank. So Where are we all? More or, less, yeah, more or less thinking about myself and how can I get at least a little bit of money uh, put away, take care of my needs. And then, and then once you've achieved that and you have a family or you have loved ones around you that you can help out, you start thinking, okay, I've taken care of my own responsibilities. I'm well off for myself now. Can I start providing for a family or can yeah. I start providing for others? Yeah, that's huge. It's in fact, the, the language that you're using, it's like, you've read my playbook, bro. The difference between the six figure conversation, right? That and gathering the Kings obviously has mastermind groups for six and seven figures, but that's the difference in the conversation. Everything that you literally just said, the six figure is you got to go get yours. And that's okay to be selfish for a little while. Like you got to go get yours. You got to grow the business. You got to get sales. You got to make money. You got to take care of number one, which could be you, your immediate family, your business. You got to grow the business to a point, but then eventually that seven figure conversation comes in and you start thinking about the community, you start thinking about your team, your family. How do I have a legacy? How do I think bigger than just right here, the daily battle? And so I love what you're saying, man. And, and so what was the switch for you? Cause you said it wasn't always like that. What was the switch? I guess once I started a family, mm. <laughs> once, so once, mm -hmm. once I got people I needed to start taking care of, it was a entirely different shift and and the thought always scared me of not being able to provide for a family yeah. and just that a little bit of that turned into motivation and then that motivation eventually turned into success and that success just builds on itself yeah i think that you're right when you mentioned the first step is being fear but i don't think either one of us would actually admit to operating in fear, it's more of a, let's just go charge the hill. But every mm -hmm. warrior, if we're using that language of charging the hill, every warrior, there's a little bit of fear in there. Like, yep. holy crap, I might die today. But but the end result is almost like it, it's worse. Like the fear of not is worse than the fear of potentially losing that day. Oh, absolutely. And at that moment, you have nothing pretty much to lose. Right. Um, nothing to really risk. So you just got to do it. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I totally relate to that. Okay. Let's continue the conversation around that six figure mark of thinking and, and what you were doing, but how did entrepreneurship start for you? Maybe it was this business, this a commercial contracting business that you have, or maybe it was before that, like where did entrepreneurship start for you? Sure. My family immigrated from communist Soviet union Wow. Uh, back in the late eighties when I was an infant. 
And my, my parents came here with nothing. So they, wow. they started off extremely poor. I grew up in a pretty poverty stricken neighborhood initially, spent the first few years of my life there. And then eventually they started their own little cleaning business. Wow. And I was still in elementary school and they, I got the privilege of helping them out with the cleaning business. So drafting invoices, drafting proposals, sure. going on cold calls with them, trans, at times translating for them, yeah. um, as well as cleaning nights and weekends. That's right. So I got immersed into the business world at a really young age. At that time, I probably hated it. Now I'm really super grateful. Yeah. You use the word privilege. Why did you use the word privileged to, to be able to help um, yeah. them as opposed to force? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of kids, I feel like, especially now they're not helping their parents out in, in their business ventures. Sure. It's separate kids are meant to go to school, go to college, right. and then they can start thinking about life. And right. my parents immersed me from the very get go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so you plan to do the same for your kids. <laughs> Yes, I think so. <laughs> now I probably won't be having them clean weekends and nights or anything like that, but definitely, yeah, I definitely want them to learn the fundamentals of business, yeah, um, economics and other. Yeah, it's just so interesting how basically what you're saying is that the journey for you started with your parents being back against the ropes. Obviously, we are, we're all familiar with the story of the immigrant who came here with nothing and then boom, created something. But obviously, that's not how the story goes. You got to see the inside scoop of, I'm sure, countless nights of frustration and no money mm -hmm. and all the things and, and me being raised as, from a single mom, like similar stories, I'm sure that you and I both have. What do you think for them? Just two seconds from the immigrant's perspective, what do you think that you can pull out or what did you pull out or maybe what the listener can hear today that you were able to get from your parents having that history of literally coming to a country and having nothing? Like what's the, sure. what's the nugget? Uh, yeah, um, it's just taking advantage of opportunity. A lot of, a lot of us would consider them as victims. They came here with nothing. They have barriers of speaking English, numerous barriers. They have no money to really invest. But from their perspective, they went from the Soviet Union, which, you know, they were blue collar workers. They were not able to have upper management positions. They were not able to go to college because of their faith. So they came here and they have endless opportunities. And from their perspective, they just have the world at their fingertips. Wow. And so they took advantage of that. And I think it's a mental shift. Going from you're a victim, you cannot, you have all these barriers to we live in one of the most freest countries in the world yeah. with endless opportunities. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that would be probably the biggest nugget. Yeah. Perspective and optimism really Absolutely. is what I'm hearing. And so if you're taking notes here listening, not only has Igor himself built something from nothing, but he watched his parents literally do that. And I think that he's right. The perspective is absolutely the game changer here because when I loved what you said there, that your parents saw it as, man, we got here, we made it like, wow, we're in America or we have opportunity now we can own our own business. Like it was the sky's the limit for them, as opposed to thinking, I can't speak English. I, I don't know what to do. I have no money. Like they weren't even thinking about those things. I'm sure probably secondary thoughts. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep, That's incredible. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch over to your business. I want to know about some decision-making stuff. One of the key things in this show is that I try to dissect a good decision and a bad decision. And I want to know something specific because the listener here today is listening to the show because 
they might be in construction. They may not be right, but they're a six figure business owner and they're making decisions. They might be delayed in decisions. They may not be very good at making decisions. And you and I aren't necessarily that great at making decisions. We probably just made more and made more mistakes. Honestly, I'm sure you could probably agree to that. So tell me about a good decision first. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about a good decision first. That was like, wow, this is how I made the decision. Um, And I'm glad that I made it. Sure. One of my biggest uh, or best decisions that I've ever made, I feel like was hiring the right people to delegate aspects mm-hmm. of my business to. So probably the best decision I made was to hire an accountant early on, yes. uh, somebody to track the finances, to, to let me know where the numbers are. A lot, I feel like a lot of businesses due to a lack of uh, knowledge surrounding their fi- financial status, where they're at. And sometimes it seems like the business is growing, but is it profitable? Yep. So I, I feel like the best decision I made for my business was hiring uh, an accountant early on. That's a great decision. And so I'm hearing actually two things. So for the listener, I'm hearing two things. Not only did he hire out something that he didn't want or couldn't do, like he, he either saying, I didn't want to do the, the accounting or I'm not very good at doing the accounting. So I knew that it was important. And so then there, I made the decision to hire an accountant. So number one, make sure that you hire out things that you're not good at that need to be done. Don't skimp. And I would hundred percent agree with you is one of the very first decisions that I made as well. Hire somebody to track the money, because even though I'm super detailed and I like tracking money, when you're a business owner and you're moving fast, it's not your role. It's not your role. Hire it out. Okay. So the second thing I heard you say though, is that, you got to track money <laughs> because if you just go off of the feeling of, man, we're doing good. And I feel like we're getting more jobs or we're closing more clients or whatever. That's not good enough. You got to actually know where you are. So speaking to that, just a half second, like, why is it so important to know? And is it every month? Is it every week? Is it every day? Like how often do you need to know these? Numbers? Yeah, I would say it, it all depends on the industry you're in. Absolutely. In my industry, it's consistently, I, I read through reports at least once a month. I'm tracking my projects on a weekly basis and things can, your revenue might be growing. You might be closing business. Your income might be growing, but you might be losing money. And it's happened to me before where there, I wasn't as diligent as I am now. And I look back and it feels good. It feels like you're growing. It feels like you're getting projects. It feels like you're, you're doing really well. And you look back and and you've been losing money the last few months and that feeling. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I I can think of, I can think of a couple of different periods of time where I, that almost exact feeling that you just described, I'm like crushing, I'm growing my locations. We're having awesome holidays, like just growing revenues by, by millions. Like I'm crushing it. I'm in my twenties. I'm just like top of the world. And then at the end of the year, I made no money. In fact, it was negative. Yeah. It's like, wait a second, <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you got to pay close attention. That's right. And I'll talk on top of that. I'll say one last thing here. And I learned this from a couple of different people that I follow as well many years ago. But you got You have to pay attention to money because if you don't pay attention to it, not in a in an idealistic way, because I'm definitely not money motivated from an angle of what money can get for me, other than the legacy piece. But you got to pay attention to it because it's a moving, flowing thing. And if you don't pay attention to it, it will go wherever it wants to go unless yeah. you tell it where to go. And you can't tell it where to go unless you're paying attention. So, Yeah, absolutely. And one thing to add to that is um, also paying attention to cash flow. That's another thing is don't spend, even if you do, uh, even if you end up profitable and, and more profitable than your salary, don't just spend all of it. Keep some back for cash flow and some emergencies yep. and to finance 
maybe some mistakes, some contingencies in the future. That's right. So you're, what you're saying is that you've made bad choices and you're actually anticipating making bad choices again in the future? Absolutely. A little bit. <laughs> you never know how things could go. <laughs> you, d- you don't like to admit that. I know because I don't either. But the reality of it is that it's going to happen. And so to be smart about it is what you're saying is, look, when the going is good, save a little bit. That's, that's, a, that's wisdom right there. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. Let's switch over to a bad decision. Uh, tell me about something that just, oof bad. Like the listener needs to know this. So they do not make the same mistake. Give it to us, Igor. What is it? I've made some bad hires and then partnered up uh, with some wrong people. And as far as the bad hires go, some of that was my fault. Uh, sometimes, you know, you make decisions based on emotion and not logic. Yeah. And sometimes you don't act in the best interest of your company. You act in the best interest of that person or yourself. So yeah, I've made some really bad decisions regarding some partnerships and specific people I hired and, and then hiring people that I myself wasn't able to develop or invest enough time into that person to help them out. And yeah. some of that was my fault as well. So yeah, I love the ownership there of, of, especially with the hiring is that if you can't spend time with your folks <clears throat> or have a system where someone on your team spends time with your new hires, then it's probably not going to work. And it's not their fault. It is to a degree, right? Because a winner always finds a way, but but we have to take ownership in that as the owner and top-down leadership. In the bad decisions, it sounds like they're, they're people-oriented, right? So whether it's the hiring or the partnership. And so what have you learned about people that allows you now to either make better decisions when it comes to partnerships or hiring? What, what have you learned? I'd say just making decisions based on logic and not emotions. I always, once, you know, when it comes to an individual, you're getting ready to hire somebody, I always ask myself, is this in the best interest of the company? And, and if you're wanting to hire a relative to help them out, but you in your gut know that they're not the right person for the job, don't right. do it. Or a friend. Uh, a lot of times it'll ruin a friendship or ruin a relationship. And it's all because you try to be a good person and then it ends up backfiring and it hurts your business, hurts you, hurts them. So I'd say the biggest thing I learned is to always act in the best interest of the company, even when it comes to yourself too. You can screw over your business for your own benefit and then your business is dead. 100%. Yeah. The business is a living, breathing thing. And, and so you have to, it has to sustain and that's what you're saying. And so whether it's the decisions with people or I love the point that you just made about how you can sabotage your own business by squeezing it too much, whether it be with money or not putting in enough effort when it comes to new deals or whatever, if you take your foot off the gas or you take too much money or whatever, those decisions squeeze out the business and then therefore there is no more. So you got to take care of number one. I love that. Love the logic versus emotion too. I think that we all have those moments where we're like, oh man, I want to be a good person. Cause I think most entrepreneurs start business obviously to make money and to have a good life, but eventually we do want to help people if not at the beginning. And yep. so that's a real thing. And I think probably most listeners listening right now are, are <laughs> probably chuckling like I am because they've made that same bad decision of hiring, whether, like you said, whether it's a relative, a friend, even if it's not, this person probably isn't a good fit, but you're hanging on because you are a good person and you don't want to do what's right for the business, do the logical thing. And that's really good advice. So I hope that the, the listener is taking good notes here because paying attention to the business, although it seems cold sometimes, if you don't do it, there is no more business. Absolutely. 
How do you have just a, as a secondary thought here, how do you have the ability to still care for people and to have an awareness around like e- emotional support for your team, even for yourself or your family, but not affect the business, like you're saying, but to be able to make decisions logically and, and black and white, one, two, three, but still have the capacity to be a leader of people? Sure. I, I separate it. I, I see my business. Um, not as an extension of myself, but more as a separate entity. And I've been given the privilege to manage this entity for its own best interest. And that's what you got to do to keep it alive. Once you start seeing it as a, an extension of yourself and you're the king, you're the ruler, um, things can go downhill real quick. I always, and I don't always do it perfectly, but I always try to act in the best interest of the business first. Yeah. And then and with that, once once you start doing that, you're you maximize the efficiency, you you maximize what you can do. And then once you start making some income and uh, and more income than what you've expected, you can start sending money to charities and helping out relatives and providing for others through other means instead of directly from the business. But achieve that success first. Yeah, 100 percent. Because otherwise you kill the very thing that's potentially going to feed you and or the person you're trying to help. You know, that makes me think of, this is a little off topic from a six-figure perspective, but as a fellow higher uh, revenue individual, I know you and I have talked about off-air, just other investments. And eventually what happens is that you make investments to have legacy. We talked about that, but really what we're saying when you really boil it down is I want to have money put in places that pays my family forever. Okay. And so if, if you can grasp this concept that you just said, but it's actually applied to investments as well. And so instead of taking the thing, in this case, the business, what you're saying and helping somebody, you grow the business so that the business can produce something that then helps them. Same thing with investments, rather than buying the, the house or the car or the, the new clothes or the, whatever it is that I want, or my kid's school or whatever, I'm going to buy an asset that then pays for it. I don't want to buy it directly. I want to buy the asset first and then the asset pays for those things. It's the same concept, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Don't, you got to keep the golden goose, right? Don't kill the golden goose. Yeah. Keep it alive. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Very good. So I appreciate the honesty around the good and bad decisions. I think that those are super applicable. And if the listeners pay attention, they've already got a ton of value. So one, one quick thing here before we um, transition away from decisions, do you have a process that you follow when you're making decisions or any sort of like discipline that you have when you're thinking about how to make good? Not really. As they come in, I, I just try to think logically about them for a little while. I don't yeah. rush into it. Sometimes that creates a little bit bottleneck, but I try, I try to think thoroughly uh, through my decisions. Now, other aspects of my business, I absolutely try to uh, systematize and put in process and procedures Sure. Um, I believe in that highly. And I just try to eliminate as much of my own time as possible and, and delegate it out and put it in a processing system. Yeah, I understand that completely. And systems obviously are huge for business. When it comes to decision-making though, what I'm hearing you say is logic, number one. And logic really comes down to the removal of emotion. It doesn't mean that emotions are bad. It just means that we want to be, we don't want to be swayed by it. We want to Like you said, does this make sense for the business? And so I think that's huge. And it's also a discipline too, because we all have emotions, no matter how logical we are, we all have emotions and we can get in those moments where we're like, oh, but it feels 
this hey, way hey. or whatever. And so we can get swayed. So the discipline I'm hearing you say is, is to just stay true to logic, stay true to does this make sense? Is there a business case for this decision? And if so, don't delay, do it, right? If there is no business case, don't delay, cut it out. Don't do it. That's what I'm hearing. Am I, am I picking up the good stuff here? Yeah, exactly. All right, good. Well, let's transition to the speed round here. I love this part where we're going to go, we're going to go through these quick questions here. And I want you to give me basically one word answers, but I'm notorious as I told you off air to maybe dig in a little bit here, but this first question, I love hearing the answer to. So everybody seems to have a little different answer and it's so intriguing to me. So the first question is, if there was only one metric that you could track forever and ever, like you couldn't track anything else, just one, what would it be? Uh, I'd say profitability. <laughs> Margin. Are you making Margin, money? Yep. yep, exactly. Because you believe that you could be making sales, you could be doing well in marketing, you could be being a good leader and still making no money, and that's no bueno. Yeah, exactly. Your business is derived by the, the profit it brings, not by your gross in, uh, income. Right, 100%. Yeah, yeah. because at the end of the day, uh, the revenue is just the money that you managed. It wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. what the business produced. Exactly. All right, that's awesome. Okay, so thinking back to when you were a six-figure business owner, what mm -hmm. book did you read or what book have you read that thinking back to that time would be super helpful for the listener right now? What would you recommend? I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, that's a lot. That's, that's the main book for a lot of real estate investors. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of shifted my uh, state of mind. 100%. Love that book. Probably need to reread it. It's been many years, but, but such a great book. Okay. Next question on the speed round is, do you intentionally network or mastermind with other business owners and why? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a part of a CEO networking group. I constantly reach out to successful business owners via social media platforms. I have a group of friends who are in business and we meet every couple of weeks. Nice. Uh, it's a lonely world out there for us. And That's so right. it, it feels good to have other guys uh, and gals that are in business around you. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit on a couple of things there. That's a lonely world, especially inside of your business, because you're probably the only one inside of the business that sees it like you do, cares about it like you do, that works on it like you do. So it's, it can be lonely. And so getting not only just a community, but, but I heard you, but I heard you hear, or I heard you say, strate uh, strategically, you've met with people inside your industry and out. And, and that's probably changed the way that you've thought about business in general, not just your, your industry. Yeah, absolutely. And just getting advice. And some of the guys that I've talked to have gone through the very things that I'm going through and, and you can get some, gain some wisdom from others that have gone through the same process. Yep. Huge. I love it. Now, the secondary question to the mastermind or networking is, do you intentionally spend money or do you have a budget on personal development, whether it's the groups or other things that you're part of shows or weekend trips, like anything like that, that you're spending actually like this, I'm investing into myself with dollars. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on average, and and this is probably low on the low end, especially for someone in my industry or someone as a CEO. But I spend roughly around ten grand a year on networking and mastermind groups and, and educating myself, and then I have the country club I'm part of. Yep, yep. All that. In fact, it was funny. I was talking to a guy just the other day, bringing up the country club, and for him, it was an opportunity to get around 
local business owners and banks, which were who he needed to talk to to grow his business. And so it, it, it wasn't because he loved golf because he doesn't, <laughs> but it gave him the opportunity to be around exactly who he needed to be around. And for some people that's a bougie thing, but it was like, no, this is a 500 or a thousand dollars a month or $2,000 a month that like literally brings me business. And so when you think about it in those terms, it's like, this makes perfect sense. So I love that. Love that. Okay. Last question. This is my favorite question of the whole show. Igor, if you lost it all today, literally, no, you couldn't lift another hammer. Not that you lift a hammer currently now, but your teams, you have no team. There is no construction to do. Everything's gone. What would you do? So I'd probably just start over in another industry. Once you learn business and once you learn how to manage and operate a business, you can pretty much go anywhere and find success when you actually learn the industry. Yep. So yeah, I I just start over. That's awesome. I love the answer of, of starting over, but then you gave it just a little bit more meat there. And really <clears throat> for the person listening, the nugget there that I want you to hear is he didn't just say, I just start over because I already know how to do it. Yes, that's part of it. But what he said is that when you are purposeful about learning how to run a business, not to be in a business, not to be a good tradesman, not to be a good marketer, not to be a good sales guy, not to be a good specific thing. That's okay. You have to be those things too. But when you know how to run and operate a business, which includes hiring, which includes marketing and sales, the whole picture together, working on the business, not in the business, that you can do it again and again in different industries if you had to, or if you want to. And, and so thank you for that. That's incredible value. Igor, you have brought so much to us here today. How can someone connect with you if they wanted to grab some coffee with you or figure out how to do another project with you or this fun that you've got coming down the pipeline, they want to invest with you. How do they connect with you? Sure. You can uh, reach me at Igor, I-G-O-R at T-K-C-K-C.com. Add me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. That's perfect. You guys can, can have a moment here to just realize that you've been in the presence of greatness. I know Igor well enough now. We don't know each other super well, but not well enough to know that he probably would shake that off a little bit. But dude, thank you for your, sharing your story. You have uh, a business that's incredible and not only just one, but multiple. And, uh, and what you've done here today out of your free will and time is, uh, is to give back to the entrepreneurship community. And, uh, and we thank you for your time, man. So thank you for coming to the stage. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Chaz. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.